High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, Vampire Kings, Watchers, Hunky Boyfriends, oh, and an extra special shout-out to you Vampire Slayers out there. Slay like you've never slayed before. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And the party's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session. And if you can tell by my voice, I should have called in the substitute teacher. As you can tell, I'm feeling a bit under the weather, so I do apologize for my voice. And there's good news and bad news with that. The bad news, well, it sucks to be sick. And frankly, like I said, I should have called in the substitute, but there wasn't enough time because, you know, the episode was due. However, the good news with that is that I was able to record the episode before I got sick. Not that I knew or anything, but you know how it is. It really sucks being sick. Anyway, whatever, we're going to power through. We got some homework to talk about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. This is going to be a fun one, guys. This is going to be one you're going to enjoy. We're talking about a really fun movie here. We are still in our Women in Horror series. And is this a horror film? Technically, yes. But this is definitely one of those light horror films that won't scare you people who are afraid of gore or general spooks away. I think you'll enjoy it. The film is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And to be clear, it's not the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's the film that predated it. Same writer, Joss Whedon. Yes, the man who brought you Avengers and all those fun things. It's, you know, not his film because he wrote it, but we'll get into it. Um, it's from his universe, if you will. And we're going to get into it with one of my favorite guests of all time. I love when she's here at the Slumber Party, Cara Gale O'Regan. And I can't wait, can't wait, can't wait to you guys hear the wonderful interview we had. But first, your other homework, of course. And I'm going to give you that pass. I'm still giving you that pass for... You know, continuing, continuing to, I don't know, be an accomplice to John Cusack blocking High School Slumber Party on Twitter. My throat hurts, my voice hurts, my whole body hurts, so I don't want to talk about that anymore. I'm going to try to limit the talking. What I am going to talk about, though, is the great job you all have been doing on social media. Class participation is super important, and remember that you can follow us and participate on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, High School Slumber Party, in all those places. 
We've been getting some awesome feedback. Even on last week's film. By the way, did you watch it? And did you listen to the episode? Dare fan? If you skipped it because you've never heard of the movie, or you're like, I'm not into German New Wave films, shame on you, because it was an awesome episode. Alexander Schroeder was great, as always. And that film was really, really cool. And we got some awesome feedback on Twitter about it, because, I don't know, I guess people were discovering it. Maybe it was the images. Maybe they had heard of it. But it was great, um, including one of my favorite, I don't know, Twitter followers. I shouldn't say she's a follower of me. She might be, but I'm a follower of her, which is a Kiwi Smith. I don't know if you're familiar with Ms. Smith, but she is so awesome. She wrote great movies like Legally Blonde, and how about one of the greatest high school films of all time, Ten Things I Hate About You? And, you know, her Twitter's an awesome place. But, guys, she commented, I guess to her friend, like, hey, have you seen this movie? And started a little bit of a dialogue with people. And, I don't know, I hope someone bought the movie. If we can get at least one person to buy the fan, I'm happy. I've done my job here in High School Slumber Party. So thank, thank, thank you all for participating this week and starting the internet chatter about this film. Because it's, it was a fun one, honestly. Of course, more homework, guys, as always. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, rest in peace iTunes, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Google Play, hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a review. Give us a five-star rating. All this helps with the algorithm to get more people to notice High School Slumber Party. You know, we're that podcast in the back of the class going, oh, 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 hand raise. Me, 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 me. Pick me. And hey, if the teacher ain't picking us, pass a note to your friend. Pass a note that says, hey, I found this podcast. It's pretty dope. It's called High School Slumber Party. I think you'll enjoy it. The host isn't always sick, so ignore his voice on the latest episode. But, you know... Telling a friend. Telling a friend is the best way you could spread all the joy and love of High School Slumber Party. So speaking of joy and love, and if you've been doing your homework, and if you've been listening the last couple episodes, as we again are in our Women in Horror Month, we're in October, the Halloween month. I don't know what my costume's going to be, by the way. I'm such a procrastinator when it comes to costumes. You better know your costume, because those like late delivery fees, unless you're priming that, those like delivery fees are terrible. And you know what's also terrible? If you go to like a costume store the night before Halloween, ah, I digress. I digress. Regardless, if you have been listening, one of, again, the cornerstones of the Cage Club Podcast Network, one of, you know, my inspirations, one of my best friends, my co-host on P.S. I Love Hoffman, our Philip Simmer Hoffman show, Kyle Reinfried of Foodie Films, a great, great show here on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. He has been helping me the last couple of weeks decide what cereal we'll be eating on Halloween morning after our cool Halloween slumber party. So we went through all the monster cereals. He tried some blueberry. He tried some Frankenberry. He tried some of the old standard Count Chocula. And then I kind of surprised him, because when I was in Target, buying these cereals, I saw two more Halloween cereals, and I said, why not? So, 
Have a listen, and again, warning, there will be a lot of audio chewing here. Welcome back to our high school slumber party cereal, well, Halloween cereal contest. I don't Ooh, know. Creepy cereal. Yeah, creepy cereal with I Kyle. I that's really... <laughs> You know, from foodie films, I love alliteration. I even put it in my theme song. But creepy cereal isn't technically... It's just alliteration. Both start with C's, but they don't have the cuss sounds. Yeah, it's it sounds. sounds. So. Cereals like to do alliterations. Yeah. And rhymes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, blueberry. <laughs> but no, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out what cereal we'll be having at the high school slumber party Halloween or post-Halloween morning. You know, yeah, yeah, the November 1st yeah. morning, I suppose. I don't know. And uh, we've reviewed the monster cereals, which were Count Chocula, Blueberry, Frankenberry. Mm-hmm. And last segment, Kyle, I told you that when I was in Target picking up these cereals, I saw two more cereals that were Halloween-themed. Yeah, I thought there were just three, so I regret <laughs> eating as much cereal as I had at this point and consuming all the milk that I've had. Don't, don't worry, just two more. And uh, I have the box right next to you. Can you tell the slumbers what cereal we'll be talking about now? First of all, I can tell you this is a potent potable. This is <laughs> very, very, uh, you know, uh, peanut buttery. But this is Reese's Puffs Peanut Butter Bats, limited edition. So I like the design. It's got uh, the, uh, the peanut butter cup and at the edge of, like, the, what would you call that, the... Uh, um, ridges of the cup then becomes as if it's a bowl and it has the shapes of these rounded-esque bats. Yeah, and it looks like there's like they're like bat shapes in here. Um, you know how the last time you're like, you know, if you don't like chocolate, you're not going to like Count Chocula. Yeah. If you don't like peanut butter, you're not going to like this. Hey, you know, I'm really, I'm someone that's really not like on the fence of like, I don't like it, but I'm just so hot and cold when it comes to peanut butter. Um, like, I do love these bean butter cups, because obviously the chocolate factor. I just sometimes, I think it's the smell of peanut butter more than anything. Sometimes it's just so strong that you just I have to be in a specific mood to want it. Oh, this is very strong. This is, well, because again, it's like just trying to capture that flavor. And since, you know, I forget what is it like. Smell plays or whatever percentage into taste. They're clearly just like taking a peanut butter Lysol can and spraying this, probably. <laughs> uh, so these are, I think, the the biggest kind of uh, pieces of cereal so far. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely, um, whole, you know, not soaking in all the milk um, as much. Which again, I like. Um, I'm definitely not gonna be able to eat this whole bowl. That's fine. We'll put it in and our not cereal. Not because I don't like it, just because our I cereal spittoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, just chew it. And spit it out. <laughs> um, let me. I'll take one more spoonful bite. Get like the ones that were in milk. So that's good. Let me. I'm gonna try to carefully. <laughs> Siphon it and just get just some milk right now. Let me finish chewing first. Sorry for all the chewing, guys. <laughs> Didn't really transfer the flavor into the milk. I'm surprised because it's so smelly that you would think it would. I don't know. I guess because it didn't really soak it up. Mm, that makes Maybe sense. if I left it in a little bit longer, but um, okay, I'm going to take one more spoonful. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would love to... I remember... Probably a story that hasn't been shared on High School Slumber Party, but I've shared it plenty of times on Foodie Films. Um, that shouldn't dissuade you from checking out Foodie Films. But I, I worked on... Uh, a season of Top Chef once, as, as you know, and uh, the finale was in the Bahamas, and Chef Richard Blaze, who's still out there cooking away, following his Instagram, he won that, it was the All-Star season, so I forget what season he was previously on, but he won um, the All-Star season, and he won by, um, oh god, I'm totally gonna blank right he crunched up a certain type of cereal and it was a sweet cereal and he used that as the crumbs on the chicken dish that he cooked Mm. and not that i want to do that particularly for this (laughs) but i would like to figure out a dessert to make Mm. so i mean for him he did uh oh god you know, it was like a sweet, but like a play. So I'm blanking on. I'll have to look up cereals later. Maybe I'll look at that between before this last bowl. But yeah, he used it as you know, as like you would use like breadcrumbs on uh, you know a chicken parm or something like that. But I would like to crunch this up and maybe do like a cool Halloween dip or something like that. Oh, I could see that. See, this is, this for, is the foodie film's mind. Yes. That, that's why we've brought you here. Again, you guys can check out Foodie Films. <laughs> foodie Films on cageclub.me or wherever you get your podcast. Same place you're listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, Kyle, um, I don't know if you'll ever be able to get the taste of peanut butter out of your mouth again. Probably not. <laughs> we should have done this one last, probably. Yeah, this is a... Um, need, like, a palate cleanser. <laughs> do you have sorbet of sorts? I do not have a sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> Use that good old saliva. Nature's palate cleanser. <laughs> so if you're new to High School Slumber Party and this happens to be your first episode, that's what my voice actually sounds like. But I feel, you know, the voice is an instrument. I feel like I'm warming it up a little bit. But don't worry, I won't, I won't take you away from this awesome Buffy episode for much longer. I swear I could still taste the peanut butter in the back of my throat. (laughs) That one was not my favorite. Oh, thank God. The bell. Never have I heard a sweeter sound. I need to get home, get some soup, and you know what you need to do. Besides, I don't know, maybe bringing me soup in a thermos on the next class. Be the teacher's pet. But also... Since it's Friday night, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, don't tell her I'm sick because she probably won't let you, because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with a song off the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack, very interesting soundtrack. It is called Keep It Coming, Dance Till You Can't Dance No More by the C. And C Music Factory featuring Deborah Cooper and Q Unique. Of course, I picked the longest one today. <laughs> Class dismissed.
Kara, welcome back. It's been too long. When was the last time you were on Hackers, I think? Maybe. I mean, I was supposed to be on again recently, but I had to take a nap instead, and I do apologize for that. <laughs> all good, all good. You were missed, but I knew we were going to have you back soon, so welcome back. Do you need a refresher, though, on how we introduced ourselves on High School Slumber Party? I don't think so. Let me try. I'm Kara Gail O'Regan, Lakeland Regional High School class of 2005? Yeah, that's right. Uh, go Lancers. Go Lancers. Great. Okay, cool. Got that out of the way because I'm ready to dig into this. This is, I think this will be a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> so just a reminder, guys, we are in our Women in Horror series. And finally, we have a women guest, I guess. <laughs> so, so, and I'm happy to have you. Uh, I mean, I would have had you on anyway because I know you're better at horror than I am. Because I love horror. Women in horror, one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> so I am thrilled. <laughs> Again, so happy to have you on. Want to get some housekeeping out of the way, though. Because off-air you mentioned something to me about an earlier episode that we did a couple weeks ago. And, and I want to clear the air on it. Mm-hmm. So on the Scream episode recently... Uh, my guest, again, I had not seen any Scream sequels, and my guest, Autumn Ferrara, said that the Scream sequels sucked. And I didn't know because, I mean, I was just taking her word for it. But you said, on the contrary, that they weren't that bad. I love them. I think, actually, Scream is, like, my favorite horror franchise. Like, yeah, they're not, you know, incredible films, but the uh, foresight that was required to make the films as consistent as they were. Wes Craven directed all four of them. Well, okay. Also, there's a TV series. I cannot speak to the TV series. I have not yet watched it. But, you know, that's like across, uh, historically speaking, with horror movies, you know, the same director doesn't tend to, you know, get to make all of the sequels, um, especially not from those movies in the 80s that so like heavily influenced Scream and its sequels, because um, they were just like really cranking them out. So the first Scream movie is about the conventions of slasher movies and these kids that are obsessed with it and take it way too far and start murdering people. <laughs> um, the second movie is about the conventions of slasher sequels like second movies Mm. the third movie is about trilogies and then the fourth movie is about reboots it's it's really brilliant in the way that it handles that but also scream three like it is wild to watch it now because it is i'm trying to remember like what the setup of this even is they're Oh, within the movie, they're making a movie about these murders that happened in the first movie, and it's actually a sequel to the movie that they made about the murders from the first movie that you see in the second movie. This is so confusing. I feel like I need an an organizational (laughs) chart. But the third movie has like a Harvey Weinstein sexual predator storyline. Really? Like... It's, like, fundamental to the plot. And, of course, like so many of those uh, great horror movies that came out in the 90s, 
the Scream movies were produced by um, Dimension Films, which was a subsi- like the horror subsidiary of Miramax. Oh. Um, so, like, it seems very clear to me that, like, somebody was, like, trying to <laughs> say something in Scream 3. And, of course, to watch it now, like, knowing what we know, it's pretty wild. That's crazy. And, yeah. like, again, I know nothing about the Scream series except, again, for the first one. I've heard that Scream 3 is low-key a lot of people's favorite in the series. So Oh, interesting. That doesn't okay. surprise me, then. I mean, that's... I mean, obviously the Weinstein stuff isn't super cool, but it is cool in a sense that, like, I mean, the layers. And yeah, you know, one of the interesting layers that I picked up when I was watching the first Scream is the whole... Uh, again, I don't remember the killer's name, but the fact mm-hmm. that, the like, like Lee Shriver is, like, subtly in the first one, and doesn't he oh, go yeah. on to, like... A he's in deal. the second one and the third. Yeah, he's definitely in the third one. So yeah, I definitely yeah, he's appreciate a much bigger that. character later on. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess the quote screen, you kind of said maybe what your favorite series was, but what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, good question. Um, so I'm like a little disappointed that you're not going to have me on your Jennifer's Body episode because don't make I me think sad. it's that one. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I just I love it. Every, I love it more every time I see it. It's so layered, you know, and so many horror movies. I mean, horror is a complicated genre for women because, on the one hand, uh, a lot of women get more work in horror than in some of the other film genres. On the other hand we're constantly getting murdered in these movies and (laughs) raped and like all sorts of horrible things happen to mostly women in horror movies. Right. And this is actually kind of true of film broadly. You know, we've talked about before, like once you start tuning in to how much sexual assault is in movies, it's like you start realizing it's in almost every movie. Um, And so often like the portrayals of it are, you know, written, produced, directed by men. It's usually not the people that, this sort of thing might happen to, you know. Um, So Jennifer's Body is really interesting because it is written and directed by women, um, written by Diablo Cody, uh, directed by Karin Kusama. And then it was marketed so poorly and so incorrectly that it totally flopped and had this reputation as this terrible movie and thankfully now 10 years later people are starting to revisit it and be like hey wait a minute this is fucking brilliant like it's so layered and and complicated and about like complicated relationships that girls have with each other and it's scary and it's hot and it's like gross and beautiful and weird I just love it it's so good. Well, I'm going to stop you right there because that is our movie next week. And we'll do something mm-hmm. a little differently at the end of the episode. I'm going to let you handicap it again because I'm just getting very, very excited to rewatch it when you say that. And it'll be a good way to end our episode. But we can't distract from why we're here, though. It, we're we're, well, st- we're still here to talk <laughs> about something interesting. And that's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And this is probably one of the first vampire things that I saw and then would go on to be very into vampire things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
not by the time that Twilight rolled around. That wasn't really my scene. <laughs> but um, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I was a huge fan of the series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, we can totally talk about the similarities and differences between those two things. I just, I love vampire movies. So I'm super excited that we get to talk about this because the last time that I rewatched this was when Luke Perry died and I was sad and I had like an upsetting experience watching it because like Joss Whedon's dialogue, he just kind of like ruins everything every three minutes. But um, everything else about this movie is so wonderful. So watching it again this time, I was in a better mood and I enjoyed it a lot more. So I was happy that that happened. Glad to hear it. And like in my notes, I have all these questions and within like three sentences, you answered all of them. So that's awesome because I was going to ask you, how, how much you like vampires, if you watch the series, all these kind of things. Maybe this will be your shortest podcast episode ever, because I'm answering all of your questions before you even ask them. Well, I'm going to need to lean on you, because this is actually the first time I've seen this film. Oh, what did you think? You know, it was better than I thought, and, and like I can't wait to discuss it. So I watched the series, not religiously, though. Like mm-hmm. I, I wasn't like a, like a, a super fan. Like There were so many growing up. But- yeah. Oh, and I I mean, I love the series. I've seen it all probably only about three times. And I say only about <laughs> three times because there are people out there who like, you know, watch it every night when they go to sleep or whatever, um, and who really, truly are super fans. And I mean, that's one of the incredible things about like the, this single piece of intellectual property like Buffy the Vampire Slayer you know like it has such an a huge fan community and such an intense fan community but they're like not intense bad like most of the Buffy fans that I know are like incredible people and it like continues to live on after all of this time like even into uh, podcasting. There's this wonderful podcast called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, where they're rewatching every episode oh, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Great title. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, and it's it's hosted by these uh, two queer women who used to be married to each other, so they're rewatching. They're watching the series like with a queer lens on it, which of course is very much baked into um, the structure of the show. So it's great. They also they record an an original song for every single episode (laughs) and they're always amazing (laughs) that's really cool wow i definitely have to check that out like buffering the vampire slayer it's great (laughs) so my again my knowledge of buffy is just from popping in from time to time like i know like who angel and spike and willow like i know who these characters are but i couldn't like retrace their arcs episode by episode but again i'm not a complete novice so maybe you know this more than I know this, but how do like those hardcore Buffy TV fans view this film? Like, is it something where they're like, "What the fuck is this?" or is it something that they like love? Well, I think or? it's probably different for everyone. Um, according to Joss Whedon, the movie is not really canon. Like, you're not really supposed to see that as a prequel to the TV show. He then later wrote a comic book i want to say and i haven't i also there's like so much other like comics and other media out there that i have not gotten to um but he wrote like an origin story for buffy and that is supposed to be taken as 
the prequel for Buffy and not the movie. So, you know, I, I guess a lot of people don't consider the movie to be a part of the Buffy verse. I don't care. I love this character. I think she's great either way. But it's important to note that the movie Joss Whedon felt was taken away from him. Um, not that he was the director. He was only the writer, but um, he was not happy with how uh, changes were made to his script and, and felt like it wasn't his pure vision. And so uh, one of the things that was changed about his script is that at the end of the movie, Buffy was actually supposed to burn down the gym. Um, wow. And for whatever reason, that doesn't happen in this one. I guess it was like too intense and serious. But in the TV series... In the the first season, especially, there are a few references to, like, the reason that Buffy moved to Sunnydale and, like, got kicked out of her old school is because she burned down the gym. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. (laughs) Um, Luckily for Mr. Whedon, he will get to, you know, fulfill his vision and it won't... Joss Whedon's going to be fine. Yeah. (laughs) He'll be fine. He'll be okay. So if you guys stumbled on here because you were fans of the TV show, I apologize. Um, We are talking about the film today, and every week I read the back of the VHS, so here goes. This is an interesting one. Blonde, bouncy Buffy is your typical high school cheerleader. Her goal is to marry Christian Slater and die, and nothing gets in her way when it comes time to shop. But all that changes when a strange man informs her that she's been chosen by fate to kill vampires. With the help of a romantic rebel... Buffy is soon spending school nights protecting L.A. from Lothos, the Vampire King, his sidekick Lefty, and their determined gang of bloodsuckers. It's everything you'd expect from a teen queen in the valley. So, initial thoughts on that summary. I feel like there was more to her list about what she wants to do before she dies, which was like, she just wants to like move to Switzerland, marry Christian Slater, and die. You know, I just feel like it's important to, like... You know, she's not so one-dimensional. It's all about Christian Slater. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I was saying with Jennifer's body before, that like the mar- they really like botched the marketing on that. I mean, I'll, the person who writes these probably hasn't seen the movie in most yeah. cases, right? Like you've definitely that, yeah. yeah figured that out. So it like you know it kind of touches on some of the tone of the movie, but doesn't really do it justice maybe i'm crazy but was or i was too young to really appreciate this but was like the sarah michelle geller buffy such a valley girl um at the beginning of the first season she was more of that but generally speaking less than the character in this movie yeah because i didn't remember her as being like that so when i was seeing this i'm like oh wait this is like they're really hitting that hard in in this Mm -hmm. film Especially, like, yeah, all the girls so. talking to each other at the beginning. And, and the mall thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about Clueless when I was watching this. Absolutely. I was, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Which, by the way, Amy Heckerling also made a vampire movie that came out in... Well, it didn't really come out. I think it only was released on DVD, unfortunately. Uh, interestingly, the Weinstein Company was the distributor on that movie. But anyway, it's this adorable little vampire movie that she made with Alicia Silverstone and Kristen Ritter. They're vampires living in the city, you know, just going about their lives. And um, it's a beautiful movie about friendship. And I loved it. And what's it called? Vamps. Vamps, yes. I remember from your Cinemaker's Run. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because you get the Silverstone and you get the... It, that's a nice merger right there. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, I have to check it out. But, you know, speaking of uh, kind of actors here in this cast, this cast really surprised me. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, whoa. So Christy Swanson plays Buffy. I wasn't too familiar with her, but, you know, apparently she had, like, bit parts in Ferris Bueller. And, I, and once I looked up her IMDb, like, I had seen her in things, but... She, like, I wouldn't be able to pick her out of a lineup or anything, you know? The Buffy I, I spent, know, Sarah Michelle Yeah, Geller. I spent my entire childhood wondering why she wasn't in more things. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I love her so much. Why isn't she in other things? Why can't I see her in other things? <laughs> no, and, and I think she does a really great job here. So, I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you. And I read that Alyssa Milano was offered the part. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out. Who knows why? Um <laughs> But then we get a uh, Luke Perry as Oliver Pike, and I'm I'm sure you read obviously 90210 fame and a bunch of other stuff, and I'm sure you read that they had to shoot this film in five weeks just to get um, with his 90210 schedule. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah, I found that super interesting. Now maybe I'm mispronouncing this guy's name, but I've recently seen him before, uh, Rudker Hauer. Yeah, that's approximately how you're supposed to say it. <laughs> As Lothos, and I don't remember where I've seen him, but I've definitely seen oh, him. Oh, he's things. in Blade Runner. He's in. Oh yeah. Um, oh, there was something else I just watched with him recently. He's definitely a very familiar face. Yeah, he's in Sin City. I think he's in Dune. He definitely is in like a lot of like sci-fi stuff because he has that weird kind of robot look. <laughs> it's true. Like German robot. <laughs> uh, Donald Sutherland, of course, plays mm-hmm. Merrick, and I mean. As I was reading kind of the similar stuff uh, as you were reading, or, or you knew about Joss Whedon, I, apparently, like, during in, in interviews, this is the one person he, like, really rips on the most in this film. Like, he hated working with him, apparently. Well, listen, as much as I love the work of Joss Whedon, not a big fan of him, like, as a, as a person, and I... Like, you know, here's this, like, legendary actor who has been on sets his entire life, and then there's this kid. I mean, Joss Whedon was, like, a child when this (laughs) was happening, you know? And he's, he, like, the reading, I forget what Joss Whedon said, but when I was reading it, I was like, I don't know, kind of sounds like maybe you were the actor. (laughs) I mean, when you put it that way, it's kind of funny, because, like, I guess I just can't help to picture, like, powerful Joss Whedon. But, like, yeah. at this point, you're right. He's a kid, and he wrote a movie about high school vampires, and he's expecting this seasoned, you know, arguably legendary actor to just bend Who, to... like, by all accounts, I believe, is, like, a consummate professional. <laughs> <laughs> to just bend to, like, his yeah complete wishes i mean uh, which like again like he's the writer of the movie and like generally speaking unless you know you have quite a bit of power as a right as the writer of the movie like you don't get a say really in like what people are doing unless you make a big stink about it you know so i mean you didn't even mention yet this was actually directed by a woman yeah i I was gonna get to that oh you were leading to that sorry no but it doesn't matter i mean we should bring it up because you know this is women in horror Mm-hmm. And we love to see this, obviously. I wasn't familiar with any of her other work, though. Her name was Fran Rubel Cousy or Kuzai. Uh, yeah, I had not recognized her name either. I I don't know what else she's done. I mean, like, she has producer credits on 
the TV show and also Angel and the upcoming Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot, question Ooh. mark. <laughs> um, but I think it's one of those things like she only has that credit because she directed the movie, you know, and it's just like mailbox money for her. Gotcha. Yeah. So all the bios really talk more about her husband. And I didn't think that was fair. You know, so fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, welcome to, you know. Being a woman who does a thing. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and her husband is listed as a producer on this film as well, but um, the only other film I saw of hers was a film called Tokyo Pop that was in a bunch of film festivals at the time, but she does a great job uh, directing yeah. this film, I think. Oh, I think it's fantastic, yeah. Back to Joss Whedon, though, for a second. Like, it's amazing that, like, she's the director, and he, and he has these expectations for a film, mm-hmm at that age and it made me think of something just tangentially related i like to listen to a lot of like wrestling podcasts like behind the scenes in terms of like the writing and stuff Mm -hmm. and luke perry was a huge wrestling fan and he he's occasionally would behind the scenes like write for the wwe and work with them that's amazing and his son is actually in um aew which is another promotion that just debuted on tnt and he mm-hmm. plays a character named Jungle Boy, which is really funny. Um, but you should ch- you should check out to see what he looks like, because he just looks like a Luke Perry with like hair of someone you'd imagine called Jungle Boy. <laughs> but, ah! <laughs> yeah, you're, they, they nailed it. That's exactly true. <laughs> but regardless, um, people like hate the grind of writing for wrestling, but love the results because it's fifty-two weeks of television. So if you yeah. write something odds are you're getting it on the air. I I bring it up because the expectation for a screenwriter or even like a series writer is like, you're going to write 90, you know, uh, of all your stuff, 90% of it is going to be, I don't know about 90%, but a high percentage of it is going to be thrown out. And Mm -hmm. it's just understood in film that it's open to interpretation by the producers and, you know, ultimately the director on set. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't come in with like a fuck you, Joss Whedon mindset, but you're kind of turning over here. You're really warm in my heart. I love to hear it. (laughs) Fuck you, Joss Whedon. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Tangent over. Maybe not, but we'll see. (laughs) But let's get back to this cast, because the next guy I was going to mention was Paul Rubens as as Lefty, and I did not realize he was in this. My favorite death scene possibly in all of film. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I love it so much. It makes me laugh so hard i feel like it's like at least 20 percent of the foundation of my very sense of humor <laughs> wow yeah don't forget to bring I, it up later i don't want to forget it yeah well so i don't even know like if i know how many times i saw this movie like as a child because i just rented it from the video store constantly <laughs> Speaking of the video store, I, that was like my first exposure to the film, even though I hadn't seen it. I was super confused. Like, <laughs> I thought it was maybe like a knockoff after the TV show. You know when mm-hmm. like other studios own the rights to things and they try to yeah. like... That's what I thought it was. So maybe that like stopped me from watching it. But I definitely want to uh, discuss the, uh, the lefty death scene later. But I mean, I want to run through this cast because again, Hilary Swank, like... Mm-hmm. I think that was her first role, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And then I had no idea that David Arquette was in this film. Yeah. And, and quite a prominent role, too. Yeah. Um, some other people who are, like, cameo level or obviously would, uh, you know, gain in fame. Uh, Tom Jane is one of the vampires. 
Uh, ben Affleck, I don't know if you noticed him, he's like a random mm-hmm. basketball player. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, when Joey and Mike were still going to do the Ben Affleck podcast, I was going to do the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. <laughs> they can't, I mean, I guess you got to count it, but... Like, <laughs> That's crazy, because I think most people, and whatever, like, screw Ben Affleck, but I, I think most people think that, like, Ben Affleck's career just started at Goodwill Hunting, or... Yeah. And obviously, he did stuff before that, and a lot of high school stuff, too. I read Ricky Lake is in this film, but I don't remember seeing her. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. She might have just been, you know, in the background, or or was in it and got, you know, cut out, or whatever. Which apparently was the fate of high school slumber party friend Seth Green, who was apparently cut from the film, except for apparently you could see him briefly. I don't know. Yes, allegedly. This was in the. This was like one of the first things on the IMDb trivia. Despite claiming he was cut from the movie, Seth Green does appear in it, although it is just for three seconds. <laughs> and for two of them, he is seen from behind. He is a short, red haired vampire that gets kicked by Buffy outside the gym when a group of vampires, including him, are taunting her. You can recognize him by his haircut alone. Seth Green, of course, would later go on to be on Buffy the Vampire, the series. Yeah, that's which is, I mean, he got the ultimate redemption there. Mm hmm. Yeah, he was, I loved Oz. He was, like, one of my favorite characters. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's anyone else in the cast you wanted to mention. I was just scanning through, but, I mean... Oh, oh Stephen Root. He oh, yeah. He plays the principal. And he's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he, like, is on um, Barry right now, right? Yeah, oh, and he's Doesn't awesome have... on Barry yeah. now. Um, I think a lot of people remember him from Office Space. Oh, right, right, right. Definitely a very accomplished actor. That I don't know if he's a household name, but he's a household face, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Well, think... yeah, because he's just this character actor that's just, like, been in everything forever. Yeah, absolutely. And, no, it was cool to see him as that principal. I don't know if we'll get, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll dive into talk about him too much, but just, I mean, I like when he, later, he's just, like, throwing out the detentions and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> cool character there. So, yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's dive in. We We get this, like quick scene right a back in time scene that and when i say quick it's really quick that it basically explains like you know when a vampire slayer dies someone else becomes a vampire slayer i guess yes so and this is uh lore that does continue into the tv series which is that that throughout history there are these women who are the chosen ones. There's only, I guess, one vampire slayer at any given time. And this is, like, fleshed out more later in the series that, like, um, there are a bunch of girls that have this potential. And then when the one vampire slayer dies, whoever was next in line kind of, like, comes into her power. And now she is the chosen one. And so she works with her watcher, who is played by Donald Sutherland in this movie. Uh, Giles is the watcher in the series. And it's generally a older man who acts as a trainer and a mentor and um, teaches her not only to protect herself, but also then to uh, save humanity. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good descriptor. And yeah, Giles is way different from Donald Sutherland. Yeah, but they they still have like big watcher energy. Got like it's just this like kind of English, like somewhat uptight. <laughs> Fair. Uh, has a lot of old books situation. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong. There's only one other like ancient flashback in this, or is there more than like I I can't remember them all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're really that important. It's no. like. <laughs> 
it's interesting to see. And I think it's also just like, there are so many things for men that like you have a history for, you know, that there's a, this legacy of, I'm not thinking of a good example. Oh, the Dalai Lama, for example, right? Mm. There's this, you know, lineage and, and a long history stretching back generations. Well, women, we don't have that because nobody uh, wrote it down. Or if they did, some man probably threw it out uh, and lit it on fire. So <laughs> I think it's it's kind of nice to see, you know, this like historical lineage of um, this very powerful character who actually happens to be a woman. Yeah, no, and it's pretty cool. And I have to say, this movie, it didn't drag at all for me. Like, it, it feels mm-hmm. pretty fast, which, you know, I think is great. And after we well, get it's that... it's a tight uh, hour and 26 minutes. Which is nice, and I've noticed in this, like, horror series that I'm doing, horror, I mean, at least the kind of horror that I've been watching, not very long, and, you know... Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I if I make a list of things that I love about horror movies, it's that, generally speaking, at least until recently, horror movies are pretty short, and it's great. You know, why waste time? We're all gonna die. <laughs> Very, very true. And, uh, like, so when we get this early history thing, it's fast. And then it it, it has that title card that says uh, Southern California, the light ages, mm-hmm. which I thought was fun. Um. <laughs> and the light in this movie is wonderful. Like, even though so much of it takes place at night, there's a lot of, like, really wonderful neon signs and other, like, glowing and colored light that, like, gives it a really, like, beautiful and... Um, deliberate tone visually it's you know kind of making me think that like there are certain um like decades that we picture different places in like mm-hmm. I, I can't think off the top of my head of one but like someone says paris and maybe someone thinks of like the 1920s you know um i feel like if someone says california it's like this Through era Southern california yeah it's definitely the like early to mid 90s like surfers skaters bright uh, colors yeah valley Balls. accents like yeah and i think like we owe so much of that to clueless but also to like all of the other movies that took place in southern california from the 90s encino man which you have covered on your very podcast <laughs> absolutely and Again, such such a moment, and I think at the end of this podcast, if it did a final tally, not a majority, but certainly a plurality of films will have probably take place in the valley, wh- mm-hmm. wherever this, whatever this mythical valley is, because I've never been there, but I feel like I know it. <laughs> it's weird how it's so close to where they make movies. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder there's so many of them about the valley, although they don't actually make movies there anymore. Very true, very true. Um, I mean, we get a good sense of the high school dynamic. I mean, she's a cheerleader. We see that right away. Uh, they have some kind of pig mascot or the hogs or something. I don't know. Um, but I think we're seeing at the beginning, well, this movie doesn't take itself too, too seriously. It's still, it's, I don't know. There's like a fun vibe. I wouldn't call this a scary movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not horror, just kind of like horror adjacent. Although it's my belief that all movies are horror movies if you look at them right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's like it's not taking itself too seriously. But at the same time, and this was like another kind of connection that I felt with like Amy Heckerling movies that like it's 
taking seriously the inner lives of teenagers, which like a lot of movies don't necessarily, although I don't know, like of, of the movies that you're watching for this sh- uh, show, do you feel like teenagers are like respected by the material? Um, yes and no. Again, it depends on the film. Yeah. I, I, you and I talked about The Breakfast Club way mm-hmm. back when. And of all like the flaws that movie has, I mean, I think what a consensus we developed is that that is one thing John Hughes seemed to, I don't want to say start, but like kind of take seriously, which was just yeah. the, the, the plight of the teenager, if you will. Although Amy Heckerling did do it before him, but you know, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, I know. Best but, times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> which again, can't wait to cover on this podcast. Uh, but you know, that I think in the 80s that started to happen. Mm-hmm. And people started um, maybe rolling with that, but it, it waxes and wanes, you know? Yeah. You get movies that, like, adults enjoy about teenagers, but I don't know if teenagers today would necessarily relate. Mm-hmm. A- and the opposite, you know, I've watched films on here that I'm like, I'm way too old for this movie. <laughs> but I think that this movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, works in both, probably works in both demos, you know? Yeah, no, I I think I'd agree with that. Um, so there are there any uh, scenes in the early part of the film that really uh, stuck out to you? Mm, I mean, the, I loved it when they were at the mall because also the costumes in this are truly wonderful um, and colorful and well detailed and like look good. However, they're framed, you know, whether it's like a wide shot or a close up. Mm-hmm. And there's that that yellow leather jacket that they get. <laughs> Ugh, love it. Howard is so heinous. He's always giving me a hard time. I get a C plus on the test, and he tells me you have no sense of history. I have no sense of history. He wears a brown tie. You got a C plus? I can't believe I cheated off of you. Excuse me for not knowing about El Salvador. Like I'm ever going to Spain anyway. Oh wow! Look at that jacket. Oh. Wouldn't you guys just love me in this? Guys, what's the sitch? I'm bored. What do you think? Please, it's so five minutes ago. Yeah. Oh. You and I in the past on Hackers and some other stuff have found some common fashion ground (laughs) in these films. You know what I really liked that Buffy was wearing? It was like a... I wrote it down. It, It was like a yellow and pink outfit. Uh, I'm going to try to send you a picture in the... Yeah. Oh, I see it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So it's... um She's wearing a neon yellow sports bra and uh, neon pink leggings. And then over the leggings, she has these like psychedelic pink, green, and black hot pants on. And then uh, to top it all off, she has a navy blue bandana tied around her neck but like in a very cute way <laughs> yeah yeah no i i don't know that outfit like stuck out to me like i know i can't get away with that but <laughs> there's something eye appealing about it um <laughs> i just thought it was cool because later she puts the varsity jacket over it mm-hmm. and it just it just screamed like what this movie was all about to me <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, the cheerleading uniforms, the purple and yeah. yellow. 
you know, most people might know them as the Lakers colors, but did you know that purple and yellow are complementary colors? I'm not as color educated as you are, so <laughs> I am learning today. This movie kicks in pretty fast. Donald Sutherland plays, you know, I mean, he's that, he kind of creepy old man's her and follows her, but he has good intentions um, to educate her on her vampire slaying ways. And there's not much of a, there's a little bit of, yeah, like her denial of her journey, but she kind of kicks it into gear. Are you looking for somebody? I was looking for you, actually. Why? Am I in trouble or something? Because if I am, I didn't do it. <laughs> no, you're not in trouble. I am. I'm years late. You should have been taught, prepared. But I wasn't certain until just now that it was you. What are you talking about? I'm saying that I've been searching everywhere for you, Buffy. Why? To bring you your birthright. My birthright? Is that like a trust fund or something? I think it'll be easier for you to understand this birthright if I show it to you, all right? So you come with me now to the graveyard. Uh, no, 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 no. My trust fund's in the graveyard? God, what's your damage? Buffy? You're one of those skanky old men that, like, attacks little girls and stuff, right? Forget you. My name is Merrick, and you have been chosen, Buffy. <sighs> chosen to go to the graveyard. Why don't you just take the first runner up, okay? Everything depends on you, Buffy. Now, you must come with me now to the graveyard while there's still time. Time to do what? Time to stop the killing, to stop the vampires. All right, let me get this straight, okay? You want me to go to the graveyard with you because I'm the chosen one and there are vampires? Yes. Does Elvis talk to you? We get a montage, right? Oh, my God. The training montage? It's so yeah. good. It's, <laughs> I feel like it's maybe at least part of it was shot in the same, the same like space that uh, the auditions are held in Flashdance. <laughs> Because they have those, like, big arched windows, but there's, like, sheer uh, curtains over them. So you're, like, mostly seeing these bodies move kind of in silhouette. Um, and, like, in Flashdance, you know, she's, like, doing her dance school audition. But in this, she's training to kick ass. It's such a good training montage. I love it. And that she does. Um <laughs> So, you know, this is kind of set to the background of their senior year, and there's they're gearing up for a dance, which is not the last dance of their senior year. It's like the fourth or fifth last dance of their senior year. But, you know, they're high schoolers. They take it super seriously. It's, but earlier we meet, of course, uh, the character of Pike, which is Luke Perry's character, and his friend Benny. I mean, I was very curious for your opinion. What did you think of, like, I guess... Pike and his like arc in this film and just I guess the role he plays um I don't know he's like kind of annoying <laughs> but at the same time like he he like it's kind of a damsel in distress role reversal you know where like instead the damsel is not the one in distress and he is and, like, he has to have his ass saved by Buffy. But I don't know. He just kind of seems like an asshole. 
It's it's weird. Um, I but he's a teenage boy, so, you know. <laughs> Always the justification on this show. Right. Honestly. <laughs> it's like, it's not his fault. His brain literally is not fully developed yet. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, it was interesting because I saw a lot of the moments of, like you're saying, like the role reversal, even like, you know, flash forward to the end where he's like, did I do all this in terms of like the ass kicking? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I think she, I forgot the exact line she says. I think they knew they had Luke Perry and they couldn't or they felt like they couldn't make him too much of a buffoon. Mm-hmm. I would I would have liked to see him more you know, buffoony at times because I feel like they also progressively tried to make him hotter as the film went along, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Because at the beginning, he kind of like, he's pretty similar to David Arquette in terms of like look and the way he's acting and just, you know, being like yeah. the slacker kid and his like soul but patch and stuff. I, oh God, the soul patch. <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, but now he's like interested in this girl. So maybe he's like trying to look hotter. Mm, that's you a good know. point, you know? <laughs> well, we can count it as character development at the sure. very least. <laughs> Just like very subtle, but very deliberate. <laughs> um, and of course, Benny gets bitten. Is that when, Is there like a proper term for being taken to the vampire side? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure so. Tur- t- turned, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like different... Like, vampire universes might use different terms, but ter- I want to say turned is maybe the Buffyverse word, but I'm not sure. As, as a vampire uh, fan, are you okay with, like, the different, I don't know, schools of vampire theory? Yeah. Listen, guess what? Vampires aren't real. <laughs> Who fucking cares? You know? Like, I I mean, it's one thing if within a universe, like, the rules are changing all the time and aren't consistent, but, like, you know, it's, like, it's fun. It's, like, just different thought experiments, you know, and, like, different stuff borrows from from other vampire fiction, and then in that uh, movie Vamps, like, Amy Heckerling invented, like, a few, like, terms that I really enjoyed, like uh, day players. They refer to humans, like regular humans as day players, <laughs> like that. which I think is great. So yeah, no, who fucking cares? I don't know. Get, just... If you care that like t- two completely different pieces of vampire fiction aren't consistent in the roles of their universes, please, I <laughs> implore you to get a life. <laughs> I just figured I'd ask, you know. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I feel like it might be something to some people. <laughs> it might be. And you know what? Who am I to judge? I take it back. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, again, any, any other scenes uh, that really struck you or stuck out to you or anything else in the film? I work with flowers a lot, so I tend to notice flowers when they're in movies. Um, and there's just a lot of very bad fake flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say just that. like in the set dressing, yeah. I, I actually have it on in the background, and as soon as you said that, like, it's when they're all, like, sitting on the, sitting on the gym floor with, with yeah. like, making those flowers, but... Well, no, the, the, like, crepe paper flowers are different, because those are supposed to look shitty, but it's, like, just in the background as part of the set dressing, there's just, like, a lot of, like, arrangements of bad fake flowers. So are they to the quality of the ones they're making? I guess that's what I was going to ask, because I, I was curious if, like, they just, like, 
used the extra flowers from this scene to like dress the set in other scenes. Oh no, they are the other fake flowers are um like if you ever go to a craft store and they have that whole section of like plastic flowers. <laughs> it's like those. I, I always like remember there's like they always have like a rose that has like fake like dew on it that looks so Oh bad. my goodness. I, like there's <laughs> I so I work mostly with fresh cut flowers um but like there's some really incredible fake flower like flowers that like almost look real and then there are ones that are just <laughs> so horrendous but i just you know when they're used right like in the right circumstances they're great and they don't <laughs> die on you which is nice oh I, I know we're bouncing around here but like i thought it was kind of odd that donald donald sutherland comes into the girls locker room like oh yeah very <laughs> odd and buffy also acknowledges that. what does she say she's like this is a naked place <laughs> yeah that's what she said <laughs> but you know for like a teen movie um and especially a teen horror film there's like no like oh there's no tits in this yeah yeah, yeah which you know from what again i'm a novice at this but a lot of them i've seen <laughs> they will just if, if it's a locker room we're seeing boobs you know yeah like so. there's a there's a gorgeous locker room boob scene in uh, The Faculty. Oh, I can't wait to do that one. I yeah. haven't seen that in a while. Oh, it's very good. Yeah, but here, this is like a pretty innocent film. Is it PG-13? Uh, I mean, maybe, I think things probably. were different back then anyway. Yeah, well, PG-13 is a farce either way. <laughs> Our entire rating system is a farce. Yes, it is PG-13. It, it just it seems like a movie that kids could watch you know mm-hmm. like even younger than high school age this kid did <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> oh man so i, I don't know if you want to just skip ahead to the when things get kicked into high gear because i do have some questions right like mm-hmm. so they have an opportunity to kill buffy oh before we get into that actually one other thing about buffy's powers that they do in this movie and i don't think that they brought into the series which is that Buffy can sense when vampires are near because she gets cramps and I love that that's so cool like to you know obviously menstruation it's a big part of people's lives they do it for you know decades and we never talk about it and it's crazy um so I love to see any mention of it in film and then to like turn it into a superpower I just I I love that about this. Yeah, I thought that was pretty ahead of its time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, and it's not... I feel, Again, I'm the last person to be able to speak about this, but I feel like when they do talk about it in film, it's usually just like a quick one-liner joke. Right. You know? So I, I picked or, up on that, too. Or it's like, oh, she's acting crazy because she has PMS. And it's just like... Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I wish it was a superpower and that I could murder you with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that was super interesting too. So, I mean, I guess getting just into the lore or like what what's go- going on here, and I was a little confused. It didn't bother me that I was confused. I've learned, that's one thing I've learned like while watching these horror films. Don't overthink it sometimes, you know? Just... Oh, yeah, Um, never overthink it. <laughs> Not sometimes. It's like... You know, your horror, it's it's complicated because I, 
people have they say things are good movies or bad movies and i don't feel that way generally speaking unless it's like clearly a bad movie and like so many horror movies are like clearly a bad movie but also they're amazing you know so it's like you can't take it too seriously you just have to have an open heart about it you know it's never it's never gonna be perfect and it's never going to make sense and it's never going to <laughs> be believable you know but it's like it's fun and it's like more horror is about feeling something viscerally and not necessarily about like using your brain you know and I'm except for the that. horror movies that are which are also great <laughs> Now, so there's a moment where they can, all the, I said they, the bad team of vampires can clearly kill Buffy. They end up, I guess, killing uh, Donald Sutherland, right? Mm-hmm. And then they said, no, she's not ready. Do you know why that is? Um, <laughs> I guess he just, like, he wants to have some, I don't know, fair fight isn't the word, but like... He wants to take her when he feels that she is right. I don't know. <laughs> um, the first season of the TV series, there's a similar-ish character. I mean, there's always, like, every season, there's always, like, the big bad that she mm-hmm. is fighting against. And so, like, this comes up a few times. And she actually meets Dracula at one point, which is fun. But the... Uh, yeah, I think it's the first season. There's this guy called the Master, and he is all like, shr- he's like the oldest vampire and like the biggest bad, and he's all like shriveled and old looking. He had this like master plan that like he didn't, he could have killed her at any time, but he didn't want to kill her until like he. It was like the right time. It was actually her prom night. And actually, she did die, spoiler alert, but she does come back. She was only dead for like a minute. But because she was dead for like a minute, it activated another Slayer. And that's where Faith came from. And that was played by Eliza Dushku, who I love so much. That makes so much sense. Like, you know, I'm putting things together now through this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, I mean, you should rewatch Buffy. It's great. It's it's also like I said I've watched it like three times. I watched it when it was on. I watched it when I was in college, and then I watched it a couple years ago, like when I turned thirty or something. Um, and it's so interesting to revisit like at different stages of your life because you're identifying with different characters. You're finding yourself attracted to different characters, you know. And it's just really interesting to revisit. Yeah, I uh, you know I wish I had the time because oh like, I know. There's too much TV and, and other things. And there's so much, like, you know, it's easy to do a high school movie, but, like, to do high school TV shows, like, yeah, that's a journey. I mean, I'd love to do it, like, if I could just pause life. <laughs> I mean, also, you can watch things without recording a podcast. No, 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 no I don't no. know if you know this. I do know but... that, and I tell people that all the time, because it, it, it's <laughs> something that uh, the network people often do, like, oh, I'd love to do a podcast on this, and, and I'm always like, just watch it, man. Like, you know? <laughs> Because that'll just drive you crazy. Um, (laughs) No, but, uh, you know, in in this, they end up do having, like, again, it's not a prom, it's some kind of dance, but uh, I was going to ask, like, what what did you think of her dress? Oh, I love the dress. I loved it. Let me pull up a picture so I can describe it to people. Um, so it's, it's white and Buffy's prom dress of the night that she dies is also white and kind of wedding dressy, which I think both of them are like on purpose. Let's see. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie dance 
dress. Yeah, so, oh my god. So the best part about this dress is that it's actually convertible. So it starts out and it's like a longer, probably calf length tulle skirt with like another layer of maybe white satin kind of bunched on top of it. And then it has like a fitted bodice with um, not a sweetheart neckline, but kind of and a halter top but the tool part the longer part of the skirt she actually rips off so that she can kick ass in a shorter skirt it's so fun and and then she's also wearing what white converse that are like Mm -hmm. tied with like lace or something they're great yeah and when she gets into kick ass mode it's really really awesome like even for what you know at the time was just like a cheesy one-off movie of the early 90s i thought it looked like super cool um, yeah. Like some of the vampires, I I don't know. Are they're like slowly descending to look more like Dracula, um, <laughs> which is I thought was funny because uh, even um, what's his name's like David Arquette's hair keeps changing. To, oh, interesting. Yeah, like it's it's more like combed back. I mean, even on the TV show, over time the look of the vampires changed. Like as they got a bigger budget and were mm. able to like streamline the makeup a little bit more. So it might have just been something as simple as like how do we have this face on these people, you know? Fair. And, you know, and her ass kicking, she's wearing like that. I think it's uh, Luke Perry, not literally Luke Perry, you know. <laughs> but, uh, what the hell's his name? I, I keep saying it. Luke Perry. Yes. No. <laughs> well, she's wearing the Luke Perry leather jacket. She's like literally kicking people, stabbing vampires. It, it's awesome. Oof. And then, you know, you wanted to talk about it. So, if you if you want to just set the stage for the uh, the lefty Paul Rubens death, by yeah, all means. So, so Paul Rubens kind of plays Lothos's uh, his bag man, maybe <laughs> I don't know, like his assistant or his like vice vampire guy, and played by Paul Rubens, and or maybe a consigliere or a capo. I'm not sure. All of these words may or may not apply. So he says something earlier in the movie, and I forget who he says this about, but he just says, kill him a lot. <laughs> like, that's the direction that he gives his, his minions, is to kill him a lot. But anyway, so <laughs> I don't even know what happens when she stakes him. Like, how does that, has the run-up to that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's just, just a big fight, right? And he kind of goes after her i don't even remember (laughs) yeah well so she stabs him with a stake and instead of dropping dead he and apparently this was like all improvised he just went on and on and on being like ah, ah," and then like pauses and looks at her to make sure she's still like watching him and then it's like ah, ah." i'll get you buffy and your little dog too Nobody sees in here. You don't really think you can stand up to him, do you? Admit it, Buffy. Aren't there times when you just feel less than fresh? You're pathetic. You're not even fit to die for him. We're immortal, Buffy. You can do anything. Oh, yeah? Clap. Thank you.
wish you died. And it just goes on and on and then the rest of the movie happens and the credits roll and like we see some I, I forget if they're still images or or no it's like news footage right and they're talking about uh, this thing that happened at the high school and no one's quite sure what happened and they're interviewing some of the kids and then after that ends Paul like Paul Rubens comes back and he's still dying um, <laughs> And it's just so funny. It makes me laugh so hard every single time. And and the fact that that's like improvised, it just like it it was just like his Pee Wee Herman senses coming out, you know? Yeah. Like he has to make those kind of noises. And yeah, no, I thought that was a great touch. I wouldn't have caught it if I like hadn't read about it in, in the mm-hmm. notes. And then I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and uh, again, I have it on the background now, and it's not quite that scene, but just how he keeps popping up mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I don't know i don't think a lot of people talk about him in this role it's just it's such a wacky role but it, it's, it's great it's so good yeah i mean well like most people just know him as peewee herman you know they don't know necessarily who paul rubens is and if they do they probably think of him more as a pervert than an actor because of some legal issues that he's had with the police um (laughs) that may or may not be warranted but uh yeah it's a shame that people don't i mean people don't talk about this movie very much obviously because the show is much bigger but yeah it's unfortunate that i i think everyone in this movie is so good and it's you know kind of forgotten I always like love to look up the casting director when when I see films like this where I think everyone's acted well and there's so many people who would later go on to do something because I feel like it's somebody with a good eye. So yeah, for sure. Let's try. I'm gonna look it up now. I want to try to give a shout out to this person. Well, while you do that, uh, the costumes were designed by Marie France, um, and I mentioned how much I loved them. Uh, she also did costumes for Coneheads. Oh, cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I never know where to find these things. They don't make it as easy uh, (laughs) to find as the the, uh, cast, because that's Mm -hmm. all I've ever known. Oh, casting by Johanna Ray. There you go. Johanna Ray, we salute you. Oh, wow. She was, she's worked with David Lynch a bunch. She Mm. casted Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks The Return. Oh, wow. The original, oh, the original Beverly Hills 90210. So makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. And oh. the original Twin Peaks too. Wow, cool. cool. <laughs> See, you got to give shout-outs to people like that. Hell yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's like so many times when people talk about a movie, they'll talk about maybe they'll talk about the director, or the writer, you know. But there's so many people involved in making a movie, and all of them work very hard and make so many decisions. This is why I think like auteur theory of like filmmakers who have this like singular vision i think it's bullshit because it requires so much teamwork and it's actually like the vision of so many people that go into something you know 
Yeah, no, it's interesting to talk about. And I mean, it's impossible to make a movie like as one person and really 100% be able to have your hand. Unless, again, I'm not talking about like an art, like a small art piece or something. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, well, that's just like, that's a different, it's a different f- form of media, you know. Um, okay, so maybe you can explain this. Maybe not. It doesn't really matter, but I am curious. What was the deal with the whole music element at the end? Like uh, The or, violin? It, well, uh, Donald Sutherland says something about silence, and then like later she's like, oh, that's what he meant. Oh. And then like the know. music stopped. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out either. I don't think, again, you're someone who's seen this movie a lot. I don't think people care about these little details. Yeah. Uh, I was just figured I'd ask because... I don't know. Again, it didn't affect the movie at all to me. I was just curious, like, exactly uh, where they were going with that. Um, so anything else, again, in in Buffy that uh, you want to bring up or mention? Or anything in your notes? Oh, uh, I enjoyed this little moment when after, I guess, they killed all the vampires? Or maybe there's a moment in between where... Uh, Buffy and what's his name get to dance together um and he says something like you're not like other girls and then she says yes I am yeah I like that because yeah. you're not like other girls is is so often used as like a as a put down for like other other girls like oh you're better than them you know you're not like them so you're good and I like that she was like no actually I am and that's cool I thought they had pretty great chemistry considering like mm-hmm. the subject matter here Often in these films, you see, like, what are supposed to be tender moments that are pretty laughable, but I thought some of them came out really, like, genuine in this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than that, again, I thought it was a cool movie. Uh, I I think, again, some people just use cool as just, like, a filler word. I literally mean, like, you know, like, there was a lot of cool moments. Yeah. Um, One of them I wrote down, like, when she has the California flag and she's, like, sword fighting with uh, Mm -hmm. the bad guy. It's just, like, it's so perfect for what this film's supposed to be about yeah so if there's any, nothing else in the film i mean we, we got some uh we got some weekly things we got to take care of all right oh first i wanted to mention very low scores on rotten tomatoes for this 35 percent by the critics which i kind of figured but only 43 percent by the audience which I, interesting yeah I, I thought that was interesting as well but i think since the last time you've been on we've changed the grading here now we actually grade like a school because I'm an idiot, oh, okay. like AF thing, because I should have been doing that since day one. But well, uh, maybe you're an alternative school. <laughs> yes, maybe like a smiley face or like a like a, a pepper or I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> no, but the pepper is bad because that that used to be like what like rate my teacher or like rate my professor and like oh yeah people used to put that with the hot teacher. <laughs> I think oh, they man, banned that. I forgot that, that was a thing. <laughs> Wow, that is weird. <laughs> no, okay, so Kara, how will you grade Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Oh, it's so complicated. I think it's a solid B to B plus. Even though I love it, it like has plenty of problems that like make it not super great. It's still like stylistically wonderful. Like you said, it it moves and you're never really bored. B plus, yeah. Good grade. So I'm giving this a B minus, and that was yeah. A tell lot. that to my parents. <laughs> oh man, so a B minus for me. <laughs> I, I expected to. I don't. I didn't expect to hate this movie, honestly. But I just expected it to kind of be blah. 
Yeah. Um, and it was a lot more than that for me. And again, I think the pacing helps. I think it's acted really well for what it is. Um, is it silly at certain moments? Sure. But uh, did I have questions? Yeah, but they weren't to the point that it was taking me away from the subject matter. And, uh, you know, Luke Perry and Christy Swanson, as I said, I thought had really great chemistry. So B minus. Um, now, this is a question you might remember. What Buffy the Vampire Slayer sleeping bag are you bringing to the slumber party? Ooh, yellow leather. Ooh. See, I've noticed while playing this game, sometimes the simplest ones are the best ones. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's really cool. I like it a lot. Now, this is a new uh, category, I think, uh, for you. It's called Rent Two Movies, Get One Free. And Ooh, fun. I, I brought it on because, like, that's what I used to do, you know, take a weekend. There was a, a movie yeah. I picked, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch three this weekend. I have been feeling such, like, intense pangs of nostalgia for video stores recently. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. I'm just like, oh, the, the smell of one. <laughs> like, if I could just get a can of that smell and just, like, keep it at my desk for when I'm stressed out, <laughs> be helpful. Smell is, like... Maybe the most underrated scent. Oh, yeah. Because people talk about it with food and, you know, uh, things in nature, which is all fine and dandy. But when you brought up the smell of a video store... You smelt it, didn't you? Right away. And that's Uh something that's not, like, organic necessarily, you know? It's so powerful. (laughs) I don't know what I'm smelling, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So if we rented Buffy the Vampire Slayer, what two other movies would you want to rent for our wonderful slumber party weekend? Okay, so definitely vamps. I squeezed that in this afternoon because I felt like uh, there was such a connection between Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Clueless that I was like, well, like, obviously I have to watch <laughs> Amy Heckerling's vampire movie again now. Um, and then I feel like there was something else that I watched the other day. Oh, you know what it would be? Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. It's Ooh. so good. It is the first movie that she directed by herself. There was another one before this, I think, that uh, she had co-directed with someone. It is kind of like a Texas Gothic vampire movie. It's like like visually, literally very dark. Um, but Catherine Bigelow was actually trained as a painter before she started making oh, movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I see that so much in her filmmaking, and like every frame of that movie is a beautiful painting. Uh, Bill Paxton is in it. It's just, it's really interesting, really good, moody, weird, um, and kind of a lesser known entry in the, the, the vampire canon, but I think is is heavily influential on like everyone that made vampire movies after that. Wow. You know, actually, I can I actually read off a whole list of vampire movies that I would rent? Sure. Why not? Okay. So, aside from Vamps and Near Dark, What We Do in the Shadows is so good. So (laughs) funny. I watch it every year. Um, Let the Right One In, which is a Swedish movie, I think. Um, I think it's Swedish. It's from somewhere up there and it's a uh, hard to describe but it's also a vampire movie that's very different than what you expect to see in a vampire movie like both visually and just like tone wise vampires kiss starring none other than nicholas cage <laughs> uh i just saw that for the first time a couple of years ago with joey and mike 
And it truly blew my mind. And I thought about it every single day for a long time. <laughs> uh, another one is, of course, The Lost Boys, which is great. That's definitely a classic. Brahms, <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola's Brahms, Brahms Stoker's Dracula. That's the full title of it is Brahms. Bram Stoker's yeah. Dracula, even though it's Francis Ford Coppola's movie, <laughs> um, it's it's campy and weird and fun, and I love it. Uh, Once Bitten, starring a very young Jim Carrey, who's like a tall Tom Cruise in it. Nosferatu, which I think is considered the first vampire movie or one of the very very early ones from like 1922. It's a silent film. Uh, it's very interesting. It's what was that movie that Willem Dafoe made? I think it was called Shadow of the Vampire. Shadow of the like Vampire yeah. was about the making yeah. of that movie, I think. Yeah. Um, Fright Night is pretty good. Interview with a Vampire is real weird. <laughs> and another thing that I watched a bunch of times when I was a little kid and then rewatched recently didn't have a great experience with is uh dracula dead and loving it with leslie nielsen <laughs> i was just talking about that with somebody uh yeah. yeah i've not seen that since i was a child so it, it was so funny and it doesn't really hold up oh. <laughs> <laughs> but those are that's my like vampire movie list so as you said that i was checking out my amazon and um it, you know it, it, the buffy credits are over and under it, it says, customers who have watched this have also watched. And many of the things you said were on that list. And um, there you go. the number one was Vamps. Ah, how delightful. <laughs> number two, Practical Magic. Okay, that doesn't have vampires. <laughs> I don't know. Not all these but have vampires. I, that is but... one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, two other things we have to go over, Kara. But first, what would you like to plug? How's Wistful Thinking going? Oh, Wistful Thinking is good. Over the summer, we did a bunch of camp movies. So for that, we did... Um, what did we do? <laughs> we did Meatballs. We did uh, Little Darlings, which is a favorite of mine. We did um, Camp Nowhere and Heavyweights and ooh, Sleepaway Camp. Have you seen Sleepaway Camp? I have not. Okay, well, that's... Uh, I just saw that for the first time, and that really just was an experience. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. I'm sure you got this, but every time someone says camp in movies, I think they mean, like, campy. Well, that's why you need to see Sleepaway Camp, because it is both the absolute <laughs> pinnacle of camp, and also it's a movie about a summer camp. Um, oh, we we did uh, the... the uh, bah. Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, of course. Yeah. We so got... that was a lot of fun. Um, I can't remember what we did in September. Oh, we did Fern Gully, which was one of my favorite movies. Oh, nice. Yeah, we did Biodome, which was less good. Um, <laughs> and then for spooky season in October, we're doing uh, Disturbing Behavior. That's going to be out sometime soon. Uh, it might be out already. When I don't know. I don't know when this episode is coming out. I don't know when that episode's coming out. So, you know what? It's already out, maybe. It doesn't matter. Uh, we're also going to be doing I Know What You Did Last Summer. And Ooh. then I we have not. Uh, October happens to have three Thursdays in it. The last Thursday being the actual day of Halloween. Oh. So, 
Yeah, we're going to have to do something special for that. We haven't figured it out yet. Absolutely. And when I was putting together my yearbook special um, way back at the end of last year's school year, I had to listen to like all my episodes. And I listened to our Grease crossover. And if you want to say something that holds up, that episode holds up. Like, Oh, yeah? Th- those oh, two, good. yeah. I-, I enjoyed listening to them. And Grease won a- quite a number of awards, if I remember correctly. Not that I agreed with all the choices, but, yeah. uh, you know, I-, I replayed our little MASH game, and that was super fun. And, yeah, I mean, we're still thinking, always a good time. Oh, well, speaking of Grease, I'm actually going to be on the uh, newest lap of Too Fast to forever that's right too fast too furious podcast um i've had never seen a fast and the furious movie uh until the other day (laughs) um when i saw the first the fast and the furious movie and i was thinking so much about greece with all the drag racing Mm. yeah uh you know your run on uh too fast too forever has been something i've been anticipating since joey told me about it because i love getting people who haven't seen something and just their reactions it's yeah so yeah i'm super excited to listen for that one whenever that one drops because i think it's gonna be super cool and you know I i know a little inside baseball I look at the schedule. I've seen some of the pit stop films you guys will be doing, and I'm super excited for that as well. All right. That's exciting. So one last thing. I I promised to do this. You spoke about it a little, but next week, again, we're doing Jennifer's Body. Sorry that you weren't booked for it. I feel bad about that. I mean, honestly, how dare you? But whatever. (laughs) So what uh, what do the slumberers have to look forward to if they've never seen Jennifer's Body? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, the obviously Megan Fox is super hot. Uh, other than that, I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Adam Brody, uh, who some may know as Seth Cohen from the OC, plays like he plays the lead singer of a band who totally would have been on the OC. Um, like this like <laughs> indie band that comes to town and, uh, yeah, so I just I that that makes me laugh a little bit. Um, it's just it's it's so hard to to say. So one of the wonderful things about horror is that like people who make horror movies are so often huge fans of horror movies, and so you know like uh, so many movies will borrow from other movies and stuff like that. And so there's you know there are definitely pieces of Jennifer's body that are homages to other horror movies, but there's so much in it that is just truly visionary. And like, we have not, we had not seen dynamics like this in horror movies before, or like movies maybe even, Wow, you know, like just incredible female gaze stuff and interesting kind of plays on some of the tropes of horror. I really, really can't wait to see it. That's, you know, something I'm definitely looking forward to. And I want to thank you for, helping navigate through the vampires of Buffy today. Oh, anytime. (laughs) Well, Kara, hope to speak to you again soon. And again, can't wait for more Wistful Thinking episodes and your much-anticipated lap on Too Fast, Too Forever. Yes, looking forward to it. That episode really made me want to watch the Sarah Michelle Gellar Buffy the Vampire Slayer 2. I don't know if I'll find the time, but maybe. Who knows? A lot of good shows on TV, though. But this isn't a TV show podcast. This is a movie podcast. This is a high school 
movie podcast. And I just want to thank Cara Gallo-Regan one more time. Check out Wistful Thinking. Check out that run on Too Fast, Too Forever. And that's going to be on cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, guys, we got homework for next week. And you guessed right, it involves another high school film and another film, you know, in our women in horror theme, which I'm having so much fun doing. I can't wait till it's over, in a sense, because I'd like to see another film besides a horror film. However, I've seen so many interesting movies and had such great conversations that, you know, it's been a fun month. But our film next week will be Jennifer's Body. Can't wait. tonight. Wear something cute, okay? You always do what Jennifer tells you to do. It's just that I like the same things that she likes. Hey, Jennifer. You look really pretty. Why don't you just come by my place? That was random. This isn't really your house, is it? We can play mommy and daddy. No way. We always share your bed when we have slumber parties. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Chip is looking really cute to me lately. How is he tasting these days? You are never a good friend. You could have anybody that you want. Why Chip? You're killing people. No, I'm killing boys. Nice kid. I only murder boys. I go both ways. I will finish you if I have to. Okay. You can barely finish gym class. But of course you guys knew that already because Kara gave a pretty pretty good endorsement on Jennifer's body. I haven't seen it, so I can't wait to watch it. And I can't wait to hear from our guest next week, because it is a first-time guest, but another integral part of the Cage Club podcast network. That's Islin Addington, and I can't wait to speak to her on this film, and I can't wait to hear her thoughts. So guys, you know your homework. Watch Jennifer's body. And come back here next week, same day, Friday. Remember, Fridays are for fun. Same place you're listening right now. (sighs) And hopefully, hopefully, I'll be recovered from this illness that's going through my body. And hopefully I'm not turning into a zombie. Because after watching all these horror films, not gonna lie, thought has crossed my mind. Anyway... Let's leave you with another song from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack. This one is called, let me see, I Ain't Gonna Eat Out My Heart Anymore by Divinals. Later, dudes.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.